The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Right, the diet that we have, the, the things that we eat uh, throughout the day, when we eat, how we eat. And so you see a trainer to get on an exercise plan and you see a what? To get a healthy diet plan. You see a dietitian, right? Well, this morning, as we hit reset, you've come to uh, see your spiritual dietitian uh, today. That's one of the many uh, things on a job description of a pastor. But because a healthy, growing, spiritual life involves both the output and our input too. Prayer, that exercise, our output as we speak to the Lord. And our Bible intake, our intake is our input. That reading, listening, studying, memorizing, meditating on God's word. So are you ready to hit reset with me in this vital discipline of our faith? Last week, we hit reset on our prayer life. The output today, we're going to look at what God's word has to say about our intake. We're going to get to the heart. This isn't like a message to guilt us, say, okay, because we all know that we should be in God's word. But what we want to do is we want to get to the heart, root out anything that's been building up there, and then establish a plan and a diet. And so Isaiah 66 gives us a great place to start. Isaiah's in your Old Testament. It's kind of, if you are unfamiliar with it, just kind of flip your Bible open, and you probably find Psalms there in the middle. And Isaiah will be right around there as well. And chapter 66 is the very end here. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He lived a long time ago and he taught and warned God's people and he counseled Judah as kings. And his lifetime, Judah and Israel were separate kingdoms. And so let me just, before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of background here. Israel pops into kind of uh, our human history after, if you've been with us while we just finished Genesis a few weeks ago, he comes several hundred years after that. And you had the 12 tribes of Israel there. And they then lived in, in Egypt for a while before they uh, became slaves. And then you know the story of the Exodus to where they leave. They're about two to three million strong and they make the journey that 40-year wilderness journey into the promised land. They then come and they uh, take their ground in Canaan into the promised land, the people of Israel. The 12 tribes then uh, divide and uh, up the, the land there, uh, each by their tribe. And they're ruled primarily by judges throughout that. And then priests also, the tribe of Levi becomes priests. And so then fast forward a little bit, then um, they become ruled. They say, we want to be ruled by kings. And so Saul becomes a king. He's not so great. Uh, David then becomes a king, and he's really great. And there's a lot of prophecy. God does a lot through his life, uh, things that we're still waiting for, and things that God did and promised to David that have implications for us and our future. Out of him then, as his king, his son Solomon becomes a king, and he's not so great, is he? He's the wisest man, he's the most wealthy man that ever lived. But after him, then things kind of just go haywire, and this kingdom splits into two. The northern tribes, the ten tribes, uh, become what is known as Israel. They keep that name. And the lower two tribes of Judah and Benjamin uh, become the tribe or the nation or the state of Judah. And so that's a whole lot of history. It's basically what your Old Testament is from Genesis to that section right there. I just kind of gave you the flyover of that. But uh, Isaiah is a prophet to the, that, those two southern tribes, to the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And now several kings have come. Some have been great kings that appointed people to the Lord. Others have been terrible kings that have been about their own selfish gain and wickedness and point, pointing people away from the Lord. 
And so Judah is used by God to warn them, to teach them, as they are about to be overtaken by the Syrians and, and, and the whole other um, host of things. But they are really turning away. They're turning away. And that's really where we find ourselves historically when Isaiah writes these words. So let's look at it now. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. The Lord speaking here. He says this, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. And these two verses here really instruct us as we come to, as we want to hit the reset on our Bible intake, as we want to have a quality, quiet time, as we want to hear the Lord speak to us, these two verses are the foundation that support and uphold our time with him as we approach prayer our heart attitude is one of awe last week right one of awe that says i get to pray and as we approach the scriptures it's one of dependence that says this my soul must eat my soul must eat Write that down. That's the thrust of our message. That's the thrust of these verses. That's the thrust of us meeting with the Lord through his word. My soul must eat. You see, we have a spiritual appetite just as we have a physical appetite that only God can satisfy. Our soul must eat, the scripture says. And so as we come to a passage like Isaiah 66, it teaches us how to feed our soul. So first here, these first, let's look at the menu. Let's look at the menu in verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. You know, we can easily read over these four words, thus says the Lord, but this is not a careless phrase. This is not a careless phrase. Isaiah and other prophets, if they uh, claim to speak for the Lord... And were wrong about it, they were stoned, they were killed. And so when Isaiah says this, it's, it's meant to make us stop, to realize who is speaking. This isn't just somebody spouting off here, it's just not kids jabbering, it's not even just a politician who's up here, it's not just any old friend who is speaking. This is the Lord who is speaking, and when he speaks, we pay attention, and he gives this picture of who God is. And so, as we want to increase our appetite for God's word, as we want to increase our appetite for God, we must look at the menu and these descriptions of who God is of the chef of the food. And so dwell in these verses for a moment in God's description of himself. See, he is our majestic maker. He begins by saying, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Can you even begin to imagine that? Can you begin to wrap your mind around that as you uh, know just even a, a smidgen of astronomy? 
as you know about our universe. And here God is saying, that is my throne, which I sit upon and make judgments from, where I rule from, where I connect with you from. And earth, earth as beautiful and majestic as it is, which we study, that is my footstool. The earth is his ottoman. I can't even, like, you know, I could attempt to build a throne here and picture it, you know, but just picture God on his throne making judgments, kicking up his feet upon the earth. Doesn't that blow your mind? It should as you look to the sky, as you look at the clouds and the stars and all that you can see upon the heavens and you think, God, that is your throne? And you rest your feet upon us like an ottoman? So what does that make us? What does that make us? That makes us just little dust bunnies that gather in the fibers of the ottoman. Not even that, we're just the fibers of the dust bunny gathered together to make it. See, we are nothing. We are minuscule. We are just that microscopic fiber, minuscule and inconsequential to anyone except the one who made us. The one who knows us. And that's why he asked, do you really think that you could build a house for me? Let alone, could you even build a bedroom for me, the place of my rest? What can you do? See, the people of Isaiah's time, they, were, they had the temple, they had this place where God was to dwell, and that was good. That was good. But they were getting off track in some ways. They were thinking that this was the epitome of their faith. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You can't build a house for me. Because then he reminds in verse 2, he says, All these things my hand has made. From the heavens whence I sit, from the footstool which I rest my feet upon, to the house where I dwell, that you can worship me. I have built these things. I created. I breathed life. I am the source. I am the sustainer. From the planning to the development to the design to the construction and to the finish out. God did it all beloved all the created things that we see all the created things and the people that isaiah is writing to had forgotten this they had taken their eyes off the creator they had taken the one or eyes off the one who had shown them unconditional love and they had put too much stock in their temple and in their land and in their culture and now at the hands of their enemies all those things were being destroyed and stripped away from them revealing in their own heart that they did not love the Lord. And this is not unlike our day. Now America is not the same as Judah or Israel of that day. It's not just parallel there. But we too can put too much stock in religious liberty and church buildings and in American culture and that when those things are being taken away, when those liberties are being stripped away, it can reveal something about our own hearts and beloved, I just plead with you from the same way that Isaiah says, our faith is much bigger than that. Our faith is much bigger than that. Our enemies, our governments, anything can strip those kind of exterior things away. And it will not strip our faith away. When we look to the scripture, we see that this is the case throughout all of human history. And we see the Lord. We see him in his majesty. We see him who sits upon the throne. We see our sovereign one and we understand this and we understand that our, 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 our soul must eat our soul must be reoriented into these things otherwise we can get too caught up and too anxious about the things that don't really matter in the end so how do we keep our eyes on the Lord 
How do we remember this is who our majestic maker is? How do we keep our eyes? How do we remember these things? When do we do it? Well, the scripture gives us some indication as to when we should eat. When should we eat? He tells us in Psalm 90 that we should eat in the morning. Look at this. This is written by Moses, actually. Psalm 90, many of the psalms are written by David, the guy I mentioned just a minute ago. Psalm 90 is written by Moses. And he says, he tells us this, he says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. And then he says this, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Do you want to live your life? Do you want to wake up in the morning? Do you want to be glad and have joy as you meet the day? you want to do that? I mean, like, who doesn't? Say, so, yeah, you know what? Actually, I kind of want to be angry and bitter and kind of ticked off at the world all day. Well, turn on the news, and that'll be a great way to go about that. Or open your scriptures, and you can have joy and gladness in the Lord. You can read a passage like Isaiah 66 and say, you know what, God? I don't have to sit on my throne and do all this stuff and worry because you are on the throne. Psalm 63 tells us, when should we devour the scriptures? When should we look at it? Psalm 63 says, at night. At night. It'll calm our anxious hearts. It'll settle the discontentment that maybe we experienced that day. Psalm 63 begins by saying this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Do you see his desire there? He says, My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You ever been really thirsty? You ever been working outside hot, dehydrated? I made a foolish decision uh, last weekend at about three in the afternoon to ride my bike out to the Hennessy's house. When it was like 100 degrees. Now I had water and I had Gatorade and I had electrolytes and all those things. But I understood how my flesh can faint. Strong, strong biking. But man, when you're out in the hot sun, there is no water. I realized the limits. David writing this, he continues on. He says, so I've looked to you in the sanctuary beholding your power. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. It says my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. He knows his soul must eat. He said my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed. And meditate on you in the watches of the night. Beloved, as you go to bed at night, you want to go to bed with a calm heart? You want to, uh, you want to sleep soundly? Taking a dose of God's word. Spend some time reading a passage like Psalm 63, Isaiah 66. Remind your soul that it is God who is in charge. It is God who is good. It is God who is the majestic one. Read it. When should we devour God's word? When should we look at the menu in the morning and at night and it's just when Jesus said, he said, when we're tempted. You know, Jesus has began his ministry in Matthew 4. The devil is tempting him, and he quotes from Deuteronomy 8. He quotes from Deuteronomy 8. Jesus is fasting 40 days, 40 nights, and he was hungry. Imagine that understatement, right? 
And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Think Christ could have done that? I bet he could. But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, beloved, our soul must eat. Our soul must eat. When Jesus was tempted, where did he turn? To the scriptures. He quoted scriptures back at the one who would tempt him. Beloved, if you're tempted, if you find yourself in a pickle, if you find yourself making a decision on, I'm going to follow the Lord or I can go this way, turn to the scripture. Turn to the scripture. And these are just, this is just a sampling really here, but my advice to you as your spiritual dietitian, get a plan and get a place. Get a plan and get a place. As you are wanting to get fit spiritually, as you are wanting to hit the reset button on how you output and what you input into your soul, get a plan and get a place. This week, my small group guys, we committed to praying in the morning and praying at night. In the mornings on our own, first thing as we do, we get out of bed, we pray. And at night, we pray with our wives. That's what our guys, we committed to doing. And so I would just commend you, let's add healthy eating to our exercise and get spiritually fit for when we have these regular meals of mighty God and minuscule me, it opens up a whole new on wonder in our faith. It opens us up to this creating this bigger appetite for God, knowing that God is our creator. Knowing God creates a bigger appetite for God. It's the law of increasing returns. You know that? The law of increasing returns. The more you're with God, the more you want to be with him. And this, the more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. The more you are into it, the more you develop the habit of this, the more you read the Bible, the more you want to, the more you're into it, the greater your desire is cultivated in your own soul. We look to the menu. But we don't just look at the menu, can we? And we can look at it all day, we're gonna sit there and do all that. We can read the scriptures. But we must also eat the meal, shall not we? We should eat the meal. We look at the menu when it's served here. Let's eat the meal. Who gets to eat is the question that Isaiah poses here through the Lord. Who is the one that gets God's attention? After this picture of who God is as he asserts his majesty, how utterly holy and separate he is, who gets God's attention? Is the strongest the most attractive? Is it the one who works the hardest, serves the most, gives the most? Who is it? Look at the second half of verse 2. Is it any of those? No, none of, none of those. The strongest, the hardest, none of those gets God's attention. For what can a dust bunny fiber do to catch God's attention? Rather, it's the one who realizes he or she is spiritually unfit, overweight, unattractive, unable Do you get the gospel connection here? Do you get the gospel that this is good news? So you're like, man, Blair, you're just like tearing me down. That's not what I need today. But here's the gospel connection, beloved. Here's the gospel connection that God looks to those who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who tremble at his word. That's the way to come and be connected to the Lord. To realize who we are and who he is. And that he in his grace and mercy has made a way for us to know him and experience his love. The love that we sang about. The, the love that he stood in our place. 
This is the gospel connection. This is how we are saved and this is how we continue on. It's not just something that we get over, but we continue to grow into the good news, daily reminding ourselves of these things. We want God's attention, don't we? I mean, who, wants the, who doesn't want the Lord looking at us, at themselves? Only those that have something to hide, right? But we who want the Lord's attention, he gives it right here. How? Plain as day. Who he eats with. He says, the humble. This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble. Humble literally means poor, afflicted, lowly. A man or woman who thinks less and less of himself or herself and thinks of God and others more and more and more who realizes their place in life, who is contrite in spirit. To be contrite literally means to be dejected, to be smitten, that our pride has been broken. We no longer value our independence. It's my way or the highway. It is a person who is submitted to authority, who is submitted to the Lord, who walks with a limp because they have encountered God. And it is somebody who is humble, contrite, and who trembles. Literally, to tremble. I mean, we know this. It's someone who shakes, who's afraid, who's in awe, who recognizes the treasure that is in his hands. You ever tremble before? You ever had that anticipation? Maybe in fear, maybe in awe? I'll tell you what. One of the things that I love to do most is I love to bird hunt. I love to go pheasant hunting. Here's a picture of me when I was 13 in South Dakota. Yes, that's... That's me and my dog, Rip. It's a German short-haired pointer. It's one of my favorite dogs. And I, when I go bird hunting, I get this feeling. When I was a kid, we used to go to South Dakota every year for opening week. And you want to talk about being in awe of the creator? I get out there in some of those uh, golden hills where the fields of, of grain and, and uh, corn and sunflowers are waving in the wind. And you're walking out there and you're just you know, miles upon miles of God's beauty just stretched before you. That's, that's a worshipful experience. As we would walk through the, the fields, we would, we, you know, gun in hand, dogs doing their work there. And I would tremble, especially as a teenager. Not necessarily in fear, but because at any moment, I knew that one of these roosters could come out car- right under my feet, scaring the bejeebies out of me. As they would come up and I would attempt to knock them out of the sky. Not very good at it, mind you. But my nerves were on edge. There was an excitement, an anticipation that this would come. And I knew that they couldn't hurt me. They're just a a bird. But I would, trembling. Maybe you've never bird hunted before. It's similar to buck fever. You know, those of you that hunt and big buck comes in and you kind of, your nerves, you're anticipating, you're exciting. Maybe if you've been a little boy, it's the same as you're a ring bearer, you know, and you've got this precious rings here. The smart ones actually put like fake rings on the, you know, the pillow or whatever. But it's like a ring bearer who's walking down the aisle with this precious jewel, trembling, scared, you know, uh, that they, they know that they have this responsibility before them. They're trembling because they realize the precious treasure, the commodity, the thing that is in their hand, there's an anticipation that could happen at any moment. Beloved, as we carry God's word, as we who are privileged to have our own personal copy of God's word, we tremble. How could we do anything else? But God has, he's given us his word that he might communicate to us, that he might give us direction and teaching and correction, all those things. Everything we need for life and godliness, Second Peter 1 says, is contained right here in this book. We can't come to it haughty. We can't come to it careless because we think we know it all. But rather we come to the Lord through his word, trembling. 
trembling, realizing the precious commodity that we have in our hands. You know, and as I was studying this this week, as I was thinking about it and preparing, there's an old song that uh, a band called Audio Adrenaline. Anybody out there know that? Like the late 90s, early 2000s? And I had these lyrics in my mind that I was trying to think about. That, that were, or they, I kept thinking about it, and they just kept coming. And I was like, who sang this song? So I was Googling around, and I found it. It's from Audio Adrenaline, this song called Tremble. Tremble. And he captures this. It's just very simple lyrics. I'm not going to sing it for you, don't worry. We're not going to play it, but just look at these lyrics. He says, shaking like a leaf, afraid to lift my eyes, afraid of all your glory, ashamed of all my pride. That's someone who's humble, contrite, trembling. He says, but then you call me in to your holy place and I fall down, down on my face. So as we realize who God is and who we are, this isn't something that keeps us away, but rather the God of the universe draws us in. He says this, and I beckon you for mercy. I beckon you to forgive everything that I've ever done. I tremble. On. He said, the next verse says, I'm just a man showered in your grace. You're the holy God and your glory fills this place. I beckon you for mercy. I beckon you to forgive everything that I've ever done. And I tremble. I tremble. See, beloved, as we come to the Lord, that is what we do. So we realize who God is. This then fuels our desire to eat, to be before the Lord but why don't we? Why don't we? As we have a big view of God, as we have a big view of God, we realize what we have. We realize the, the gourmet meal that he has spread before us. We know our need for it. We know that we don't just live by bread alone. We know that we have a soul that must be fed, but why don't we? Why don't we devour the Bible? Why don't we prioritize these healthy eating habits that we know we need for our soul to not just thrive or survive, but rather to thrive well here are kind of the top three things that i hear as a pastor top three uh things and there's no statistics you know you can google this and maybe you'll find it but here's the top three things one is i don't i don't like to read i don't like to read we keep, I kept from this because it's like you know what i've just never really read all that much I've, i i i'm just not a reader in general i don't read the newspaper i don't read magazines i definitely don't read books and here's what I would say to you who get this, who are hung up on the fact that I don't like to read. Well, get a readable translation. You know, one of the beauties of God's word written in ancient languages of Hebrew and Aramaic and the Old Testament, Greek and the New Testament, they've been translated into multiple, very readable translations, the ESV being the best. There's multiple out there, but I would highly recommend to you the English Standard Version. It's what we have here in, in church, those blue Bibles, what preach out of um, here. And there has been the best scholarship available, both on the interpretation side and in the stylistic side, to make this into something that the average American reader can understand. Now, there's others. NASB is a good one. It's a little older, so it's... it's uh, it was, translated initially in the 70s and then the 90s. The NLT is a great one, um, but uh, I would highly recommend, if you don't like to read, get the ESV. If, and, if, and if you're just like, you know what, even that I don't understand. Well, here's something else that's great. In the modern world in which we live, you can listen to God's Word. 
You can listen to it. And this is something that I just, I love to do. I love to just hear it as I'm driving somewhere. Listen to it. Get help in that way if you find yourself there. Maybe you're like, maybe it's the second one. You're like, you know what? I can read, but here's the second thing. I don't understand it. Ever get to that? Ever get to portions of scripture and you're like, I have no clue what I just read. Ever been there? I have. I've, I've, I don't understand it. And so you get hung up on it and then you read a couple days, you read a couple chapters and you're like, I have no idea. And then we just kind of throw in the towel. We're like, well, if that's this, well, there's like, you know, a thousand pages here. So I'd say one, just keep reading. But if you don't understand it, just be patient. Just be patient. Remember this, you have your whole life to grow. You have multiple days to continue to grow and understand. Just like in school, you don't just go straight to 12th grade. You have to start where? In kindergarten, which builds on stuff. In first grade, second grade, third grade. And that is okay. As you seek to understand God's word, as you seek to be fed from God's word, just be patient. Ask, get some help, join a small group, be around people that will help you understand it. Get a study Bible, something with little notes there that'll help unlock some of the cultural context, some of the things that are happening there, some that'll have little uh, definitions of words that maybe are unfamiliar to you. Get a good study Bible. I would recommend there's, there's good apps out there. You want to know a really helpful one? The Read Scripture app. If you haven't seen it, Read Scripture app by... Uh, uh, I forget the, um, the guys that have made it now, but uh, it's super helpful. And what they do is they've created these like five to 10 minute videos that explain kind of the big picture of the whole book. And once you have the main theme and once you ha- kind of have it outlined there, man, it just, uh, it, it can just unlock what these, especially big books like Isaiah are all about and really help you understand it as you read through it. But some of you might be saying, I don't like to read. I don't understand it. Well, here's probably the most common one that I hear. I don't have time. I don't have time. Find yourself in that way? Like, I have so many things going on in my life. I got my kids here, and I got work, and I got these things, and I got to be up early, and I I just have too many things. I don't have time. Beloved, I love you, but don't let that be what keeps you from feeding your soul. Do you make time to put gas in your car? You aren't going to get to work if you don't put gas in your car. Do you make time to eat your meals? You will waste away if you don't eat meals. So as your pastor who loves you, who wants to see you flourish in the Lord, make time to be in God's word. Prioritize it because your soul must eat. Your soul You can, you can. Your life will be filled with joy and gladness. You will have the things that you need when you prioritize being in God's word. Don't let that keep you. Don't let it keep you from the Lord. Don't let it keep you. Doesn't have to be a long time. Doesn't have to be just because there's some that are advanced and have the time to spend a couple hours every day in God's word. Praise God for that. But if you're just getting started, something is better than nothing. So to help you, to help you prioritize this, to be someone who's humble, contrite in spirit, who trembles at God's word, just get a plan and a place. Just get into it, start somewhere. We've made these sheets for you. 
If you brought your one from last week, uh, I hope you did. They're, if you don't have one, they're kind of on the mid uh, aisles there. Um, you can grab one of those. There's on one side is the, the prayer helps. We talked about last week, how to have a quality prayer time. And there are some helpful tools here to help you as you spend time in God's word. As you get your plan in your place, as you desire to be in God's word, there are some helpful things. Just there's the getting started and then you can work through these different stages. Just observing, then interpreting and applying and meditating on God's word. And it's very key that you follow along in these things. You must observe it. Just read the Bible. Just read it. Sometimes we want to jump ahead, right? We're just like, hey, just like tell me what it means. Tell me what I'm supposed to do and let me be on with my day. That's good. But don't just jump there. You've got to just read what the Bible says. Slow down. There's some good, helpful things in here to help you with that. As you pray, as you read, as you read it out loud, as you uh, underline things, as you look for repeated words. And so there's just some helpful things on there. And then as you read it, then you can move to the, apple, or the interpretation. Well, what does this mean? But first you're asking yourself the question, what does it say? Then what does it mean? And then after you've had that, you've looked at God's word, you've done some additional research. This is where study Bible and things come in to uh, help, uh, help you or commentaries, other things if you want and asking about it. Then we move to application. What am I going to do? How's this going to uh, change my life today? What do I need to do? How do I love the Lord and love those around me more based on what God's word says and then just meditating on God's word. And, you know, maybe there's some confusion about that because, you know, it's not like emptying our mind and humming and mm, all that stuff when we say meditating. It's actually the exact opposite. Meditation is an emptying your mind. When the Bible speaks of meditating, it actually means filling your mind with the scriptures. It means repeating it, whether you're memorizing or just reading it, but you're filling your mind with the things that God has said about himself and what I am supposed to do. Maybe it's just a verse. Maybe it's something that was meaningful to you. Uh, maybe you're writing it down in a journal, re- excuse me, recording uh, what God is doing, but we're meditating on it. And so as you want to hit reset, as you know that, hey, I want to get into this. I'm done with the excuses. I want to get into God's word. I know my soul must eat. I, I want this year to be my best year yet. I want this year to be a year where I grow tremendously in God's word. And so I'm going to put in the right fuel. I'm going to take seriously what uh, it means to be a follower of Christ. And my walk with Christ, I'm going to, I'm, I want to live it out. And do the things that I, uh, I need to do that God says he will bless, that I can grow in the Lord. And this is one of the things I want to do. Take these. You can fold it up like I've done it. I keep it in my Bible. And this guides me in my daily time, my regular time with the Lord. Comment on that. Let me just tell you something. As you get into God's word, as we've been using this metaphor of a meal, something that your soul needs, let me, let me just tell you something right now that I hope will be uh, relieving to you. Sometimes as we read God's word, it's just like eating a bowl of cereal. Anybody have one of those this morning? Like, hmm, maybe, I, yeah, maybe I think so. Sometimes it's just like eating a bowl of cereal. Not every meal that we eat physically is a gourmet meal. At least not in my life. Maybe some of y'all's. You got like a chef, you like gourmet, all that stuff. Sometimes it is just a plain old bowl of cereal. Sometimes it's just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's not a lot to write home about. It's not like the most transformative passage of scripture that has unlocked a truth that we've never seen in light of it. Sometimes we, we get that way. 
But just like those plain and simple meals are necessary for your physical health, for giving you the energy and the nutrients that you need to continue on, so too is God's word, even if it's not the most profound gourmet time that you've ever had in God's word. But something is better than nothing. And so don't get hung up like, well, I didn't, I didn't really get a whole lot out of it. Oh, yeah, you did. Your soul was in God's word. And even if you can't tangibly pick out the flavors of what you just devoured, God is doing something in your life that you desperately need. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our souls must eat to survive. Your faith depends upon it. When we get this right, you don't just survive, we thrive. We're hitting the reset button as we connect with the Lord, as we walk with the Lord. We get to do this. Christ stood in our place that we might have a relationship to him. And so to switch our metaphors, this is how we are in relationship with the Lord. Praise God for that, right? That he has made a way for us to connect with him. So as we move into the fall, as we transition to this school year, let's reset. Let's reset. Let's get back on track. Let's get, let's get working out spiritually. Let's hit that as we move into the fall, strong in our faith with the Lord. You ready to do it? Ready to do it? Let's pray. And we'll sing the closing song.